Politics, sports, entertainment? Yeah, we've got that. It's WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you again for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Super duper glad to see you on the radio. Always very glad to look through the glass and see Mr. Rob Center, our fabulous producer, taking good care of things. On the news line with us now, Cheyenne Moore is with us. She's a master's degree student in biology at Bucknell University. Good morning, Cheyenne. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate that. I uh, summarize your research as uh, being on a wide range of topics in our valley and elsewhere around the East Coast. And you've found some local prairies, but they're they're not on uh, uh, high chaparral, high plains. They're in the river valleys around here. So if I could ask you to kind of start at the beginning, tell us what you're studying at Bucknell University and then this specialty that leads us uh, to this prairie description. Sure. I study a plant. Uh, it's Baptisia australis, variety australis. Its common name is blue false indigo. It's also a common garden plant, so you may have seen it in your gardens. But I study it as a native species in Pennsylvania, where it occurs along only four waterways in these really unique habitats called scour prairies that are facilitated by big chunks of ice that come down the river valley in the spring thaws and scour the banks, creating open habitat that are essentially prairies that these plants then grow in. Why study this particular plant? Tell us about the importance of making sure that these kinds of of species are monitored. Yeah, so this project originally started out, um, Pennsylvania DCNR considers this plant threatened in the state and they had interest in learning more about it and its genetics. So my advisor at Bucknell, Dr. Chris Martin, had written a grant for DCNR uh, to get funding to study this plant and several others, but um, these were all threatened plants that we didn't know much about the genetics, and so um, because they had small populations that we could easily access and we knew where they were, this was one of the plants that we decided to go out there and study and learn some more about. And we might have this in our garden? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, It's often cultivated. It's a really pretty plant. It has pretty purple flowers. After the flowers are done, it has these uh, pods that look kind of like peas. And is it, uh, was it got the name indigo and wild indigo? I've also heard that name. Was it useful for something? Was it ever used for anything in particular? Yeah, there's some documentation that indigenous people once used it as dyes. So actually, whenever you ground up the tissue for DNA extraction, it turns the liquid that we use for extractions almost black. It's really cool. Oh, okay. Not a blue, though. You, you'd think you'd be looking for a, a black or a blue to, to come out of this. Well, tell me where you have researched in the U.S., which parts of the Susquehanna River and elsewhere? So most of my research is in the western part of the state, so along four waterways, um, the Allegheny River, the Clarion River, the Red Bank Creek, and the Yockagany. But actually, there is some record of the plant occurring along the Susquehanna River, kind of near Wilkes-Barre. And so I did do some work looking for the plant there. It doesn't seem like it's there any longer, um, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, we did look for it, and there are some areas along the Susquehanna that are kind of like prairies, too, so they still have some of those prairie-like species. All right, so tell us where you did find it. You didn't find it at some places you looked, but you may have found it in places where you weren't necessarily uh, expecting to find it. Yeah, so that was a really fun part of the research along the Allegheny. 
There were certain documented populations by the Western Pennsylvania Conservancy, but we were able to actually find a few newer populations that they hadn't found before, um, just interspersed with those known ones. Tell me about this very specific habitat. Uh, uh, river islands are, par- are really significantly ideally suited for this, so tell us about that. Yeah, uh, this habitat is, you know, cobbly, sandy, it's often open, so there's no trees, and there's lots of grasses, like big blue stem and Indian grass, which are also sometimes cultivated. Those are traditionally prairie grasses, um, and they're just big open areas. They can be on islands or the edges of rivers, and um, there's often bigger boulders as well. Along some of the smaller waterways, like the Clarion and the Yakagani, these plants actually occur right next to boulders. Um, or they kind of cling to the sides of boulders even. So this might be one of those ones where you're going past a boulder in a kayak and you see this one plant sticking out a little crag in the rock. This might be one of the false indigo plants? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, you were in one of Chris Martin's, and we thank Dr. Chris Martin of Bucknell University, uh, the botanist, uh, for uh, telling us about your work. Now, some of your work has uncovered how this, uh, uh, this scouring of the river is of islands is a crucial part of the habitat. Sort of ex- explain how the dynamics and hydraulics of the river and flooding are sort of a necessary part of this plant's uh, maintenance. Yeah, for sure. It's so the, Like I said, these habitats are really open, uh, and that's facilitated by keeping it clear of trees, like sycamores and things like that. And an important part of that is the scouring effects of ice. So um, it's not so much happening now with climate change, but in the past, these big sheets of ice would form across the Allegheny River, and then as the spring thaw came, they would break up, and these big chunks of ice, um, massive chunks of ice, would come down the river, and scour these areas, clearing it of any trees or bigger uh, vegetation, which was necessary to keep these areas open because these plants need a lot of sunlight. All right. So, and I, I just think that's fascinating that this idea of the ice forming on an annual basis and, you know, in most years conducting some scouring of the shoreline and so on. I mean, as a passive observer and an, uh, and an ice watcher, because I want to keep a check on flooding and so on, I think of this, oh, you know, the, the bank is getting damaged or that island's getting overrun by ice and uh, that's not ideal. You can see it's tearing the taller trees out. But as far as a botanist would be concerned, this is kind of a natural cyclical thing that's important to maintaining this prairie on the island? Yeah, for sure. These plants have really big root systems, so anything above ground isn't as important as the stuff underground, so these scour impacts don't really hurt the plants too much. And in terms of preventing the island from just plain disappearing from this annual uh, ice scour, uh, do all of these plants contribute to that, even the false indigo? Do they have a a role in rooting the uh, soil at the the island? I'm sure on some level, yeah. Okay. So when we say prairie, explain why that's the perfect definition for what's happening on these islands. It's a, it's a habitat type that's made up of species that you would find in a prairie, which is really cool. Um, that's something that botanists really value are unique habitat types because often once you find a unique habitat, it harbors lots of cool plants that we don't see normally in most of our habitats in the state. So this kind of habitat in Pennsylvania is really valuable because there are lots of plants there that we don't see commonly. Now these prairies are submerged occasionally? 
Occasionally, yeah. That's actually something we noted um, last year whenever we were doing field work. So they, these plants flower in June, but with some of the unusually high rainfall we had last year, they were actually submerged for most of June. And that doesn't kill the plants? It didn't kill the plants, but they didn't. it didn't look like they had a chance to flower, which was unfortunate. Okay, so that can slow the spread a little bit, but at least they stayed anchored and they stayed uh, alive, so that much is good. And, and being occasionally submerged doesn't hurt the types of plants that thrive on these islands? No, it was actually really cool for me to see. I didn't know for sure myself, but we went out in July, and you know the plants were a little muddy, a little beaten down, but they were still there, and they looked fine. So... <laughs> Okay, so they make it through. I guess that's either that. If you can't survive being submerged, then that, that's not the island for you <laughs> if you're a plant, so uh, you don't get to stay there. Well, you mentioned that climate change has uh, altered what's happening on the islands and altered the, probably the future for the blue false indigo. Explain what climate's impact is here. Yeah, so I've I've talked to some of the people that live in that area as well and um, have homes in that area, and they've talked about how it's been about three years or so since there's been a big freeze along the river with that's caused these big chunks of ice that are needed to remove trees and things. Uh, so there's been a reduction in that kind of scour, and then as I mentioned, we had an abundance of rainfall. So with climate change, we're also seeing changes in rainfall and when rain falls and how much. So that can also be a problem for the species. Okay, so this would mean some of these trees will get a better anchor and might not be washed out, I guess? Yeah, we're noticing some larger sycamores starting uh, in these areas that are then, you know, creating shade and competing with Baptisia. And there's also invasive species as well that we have to worry about. Well, yeah, tell me about the impact of invasive species also. Yeah, so Japanese knotweed is one that lots of people I'm sure are familiar with. It's common along the Susquehanna. It's a big problem for these plants as well as a grass called Phalaris. What can we do about the Japanese knotweed? Is there something we ought to be doing? I mean, in these systems, there are lots of ways we could brainstorm about ways to, you know, mitigate the problem. I think just being aware that it's a problem, and if you have it in your yard and you have the resources to get rid of it, it's always good to slow the spread in some way. And don't use Roundup. And don't use Roundup. Are, are there any uh, p earth-friendly weed killers? I know I, 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 uh -huh. uh, I hear use of a bee-friendly weed killer that's out there, a commercial product, but uh, is there a, an earth-friendly one? I'm not actually sure, so I I don't know much about weeds and killing them, but <laughs> I'm sure that if you did a quick Google search, you could find something useful. Okay, fabulous. All right, anything else important, maybe where we can get more information about this, if we want to follow any of your work or that of Dr. Martins, any place where we can get some information? Um, yeah, I would suggest checking out Dr. Martin's Plants Are Cool too. It was really well done, and they make me sound like I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that would be my suggestion. Also, if you're on Twitter, you should check out uh, my Twitter, at Cheyenne Elmore, or Dr. Martin's, at Martin Botany. 
All right. Well said. Thank you so much. We appreciate all the information. Good luck out there. Enjoy your studies this summer. And uh, keep us up to date about the blue false indigo. We want to see about its fate and uh, keep us up to date about these invasives as well. Thank you, Cheyenne. Thanks for checking in Thanks today. Thanks so much for having me. do appreciate that. Cheyenne Moore, a master's degree student in biology at Bucknell University, featured in one of the latest Plants Are Cool 2 segments, the YouTube uh, segments that uh, come out from uh, Dr. Martin. There's been dozens of them, literally, from around the world, studying various uh, plants and so on. And we'll have to get him on the radio this summer, too, and get an update on some of his discoveries and the discoveries of his uh, students. Talking about the blue false indigo and its evolution, Cheyenne Moore talking about the prairies and the scouring and the evolution of the islands on, on rivers just like this Susquehanna River.